Hey, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and Bruce and I are the authors of 35 and counting cookbooks, including the latest Instant Pot Bible copycat recipes. We are all about the Instant Pot, although we've just turned in another air fryer book. But in this episode <laughs> of the podcast, we're not talking about air fryers or Instant Pots. We're talking about cooking slumps. We're talking all about our favorite one-minute cooking tip of this week, what's making us happy in food this week, and Bruce's interview with Michelle Tam, who is the author of the Nom Nom Paleo books. Oh my gosh, mm. what a score of an interview. So let's get started and talk about cooking slumps. Okay, before we do that, I want to talk about something I read in the world of Is this about food a cooking news. slump? No, it's about Dionne Warwick. It's about, okay, mm-hmm. there's a cooking slump. All and right, go on. What is with her in Nabisco Oreos? See, this uh, the uh, singer clairvoyant seems to have an ongoing feud with the cookie maker. I mean, she's always tweeting. Wait, at, she has a feud with mm-hmm. Nabisco? Yeah, she's always tweeting at them to stop making anything but the original flavor cookie. Does she have a publicist? <laughs> okay, no. go on. And, like, so recently they sent her a case of unusual flavored cookies and cookie-flavored lip balm. Oh, what? And so she tweeted. Wait, 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 wait stop. Cookie flavored lip balm. Mm, it's better than Cheeto lip balm, which, if you listen to a previous episode, you know no, used to exist. No, it's not better. It's worse. But so go she on. threatened in a tweet to retaliate against that, and then just wait by doing what? I don't know what she's by not do. singing. Has she been not singing for twenty years? And you know, in the end of December, the Duke's annual Duke's Mayo Bowl, the college football game at the Bank of America Stadium in North Carolina. So she got really upset because the two ESPN hosts filled some airtime with a Duke's promo by dunking Oreos in a jar of mayonnaise. Okay, that's just gross. Well, Oreos I think it's gross mayonnaise too. Is, and, and I am one of those people who eat mayonnaise on a spoon. Don't at me. But not on an Oreo. No, but I lick the knife that's been in the mayonnaise jar after I've done it on my sandwich. Well, maybe she'll I mean, tweet you too. Because then she tweeted that she I said, I need both of these young men to take paid leave and really think about what's going on here. So I think she's afraid of okay. mayonnaise-flavored Oreos coming I out next. I love Dionne Warwick, and I think she has <laughs> a unbelievably underappreciated, at this point, voice. I mean, she was popular in my day when I was a kid, but but now I think a lot of people don't know her. And if you don't know Dionne Warwick singing Burt Bacharach songs, mm-hmm. you have missed out. You should go to Spotify right now and check her out. But still, nonetheless, this strange feud with Nabisco just strikes me as <laughs> off. Pudding, like who cares? Like, stop worrying about it. And I don't know what she threatens retaliation. What does that mean? She's gonna sing a song about Oreos or something? I, I don't know. I don't get it. So anyway, um, you know what? I'm gonna come back to the topic getting in because I don't know what Dion Warwick has to do with the cooking slump and why you brought all this up. But we're talking about how to get out of a cooking slump. So let's uh, continue with that. And here's one way you can get out of your cooking slump. Well, first, I guess I should set this up. I should set it up and say it is mid-January. You could be listening to this whenever, but Mm -hmm. we're going to air this mid-January. And people often in midwinter fall into kind of a cooking slump. You're indoors a lot, especially if you live in colder climates as we do. You cook a lot. It's sometimes hard. It snowed today. It's sometimes hard to get out and go to a restaurant or you shouldn't go out and go to a restaurant. You know, wait, now I have to go on another tangent. You know, we live in 
New England, and I hear all these Southerners say to me sometimes, you guys just know how to drive on snow. Yeah, okay, you know how we don't we know? Because we don't drive on snow. <laughs> That's how we know how to drive on snow. We don't get in our cars and feel like we have to drive around I-35 the minute it's icy. Come on, stay home. Anyway, <laughs> so you stay home and you get in a cooking slum. Well, also mid-January, we are the farthest away from fresh produce anywhere. Uh, so there's a lot of reasons there's that There's a lot of good citrus, cooking. but it's getting kind of grim. It's it's going to get grimmer by 1st of March, mm-hmm. but it's getting kind of grim. And so cooking slumps happen. So here's one way. Buy a new piece of kitchen equipment. You know, think about something that you want. Have you tried an air fryer? You know, obviously Bruce and I are into the air mm-hmm. fryers, having just turned in yet another air fryer book. Buy an air fryer. They are unbelievably yep. fabulous. Buy an Instant Pot. Mm-hmm. You can make dinner in minutes or you can use most Instant Pots as slow cookers. Yep. So they're multi-purpose tools so you can cook dinner in hours or in minutes, however you like it. Buy a kitchen equipment that you, that will help perk up what you do. How about a panini press? That's a good one. Or a waffle maker. Anything oh. that'll get you making love something waffles. new and interesting. By the way, love grilled cheese in a waffle mm, maker. Yum. It makes delicious grilled cheeses if you spray both plates and then put the grilled cheese in it. Mm. Delicious. Another thing you could do if you find yourself in a midwinter cooking slump, buy a new cookbook. You know, I've talked about this a lot and you know how much I love to make Chinese food, but friends gave me a copy a few weeks ago of My Shanghai Recipes and Stories from a City on the Water. And I got to tell you, even despite my having a shelf of Chinese cookbooks, this new book got me excited. I want to make another Chinese dinner party. We got Chinese New Year coming up in February. So this has got me excited and I love cookbooks. So try try a new book. Try it by buy a dessert, but there are a million great dessert books out Mm. there right now there are are some excellent um you know regional cooking books that are going on and uh, cookbooks of national foods great palestinian and israeli cookbooks out there great middle eastern cookbooks out there just go back if you don't haven't ever bought autolangi before buy your first autolangi cookbook you know you will find a new world of cooking and be inspired even if you cook nothing from that That's book. right. You'll get inspired to do something. So I also suggest that if you are in a cooking slump, that you look online or the next time you're at the grocery store, not during an ice storm, <laughs> but the next time you're at the grocery store, look for a new spice or a new spice blend. Something that you think will perk up what you want to eat. I love really spicy things. So, of course, I would want to try, I don't know, some obscure dried chili powder. Even, it's not obscure, but even ancho and chili, chipotle chili powders mm-hmm. are great ways to up your cooking. There are other ways to find a seasoning or ingredient that you might like, like such as... Well, well, look for some pomegranate molasses. It's sweet and syrupy. Oh, you could put go. a little into a salad dressing. I bet you probably never even knew there was sort of a white Worcestershire sauce. So oh. go next to the Worcestershire. Try that. Put a little in your chicken salad. It's you, really delicious. If you've never tried white balsamic vinegar, mm-hmm. it's sweeter than standard balsamic vinegar, but thin like regular vinegar. And all the stuff. That. You could put them on burgers and salad dressings. We're not talking about some obscure thing that you're only going to use once. No. This is something that you Here's could pick up that you might be able to use. Your morning smoothies is date syrup. Mm. Consider date syrup instead of honey or maple Yum. syrup. Try 
try it out. Um, it'll help actually perk up your your uh, taste buds. So here's something that you may think is really weird, but when I find myself really in a cooking slump, one of the things I do is clean my stove. <laughs> okay, because uh, no, nothing makes me want to cook less than looking at my stove and seeing a greasy mess. Well, that's true. And okay, if I haven't true. cleaned the stove in a while, I do. I find myself getting into cooking slumps because I look at it and I don't want to cook. But once I clean it, I can't wait to cook again. And okay. be, you know, and be nice. But here's the thing: be nice to yourself. Once you clean it, don't start off by frying bacon and browning a chuck roast. <laughs> Because they'll just make it really filthy right away. So start by boiling some pasta. And if you listen to a previous episode, maybe it's a lentil pasta or a chickpea pasta. Or scramble some eggs or make a split pea soup or something that's not going to filthy up your stove immediately. Yeah. I, th- I think that this is really key. And I-, I think it's not just clean your stove, by the way, if you're in a cooking slump or that you're in an eating slump. I also think maybe clean up the whole workspace of your kitchen. And by that, I mean perhaps think about decluttering it. Why do you have a cookie jar on the counter? If there are no cookies in it, why is that jar out on the counter? Just think about taking it off. And if you declutter the space a little bit, you will find that it is so much easier to cook. I I, I sometimes go into kitchens and I see, you know, these giant suburban ex-bourbon home kitchens that we go into sometimes. And they've had giant amounts of counter space. And Every all along the entire backsplash is nothing but jars and uh, you know uh, knife rests and spices and re- and I think to myself you have this giant kitchen and you you've lost all your counter space or you've lost a third of it to all this stuff. If you just got rid of it, you would feel like you could breathe in there. Yeah. Hey, finish us off with one more tip that will help you get out of a cooking slump. Well, I can say that listen to something as you cook and. We have a difference on this. I listen to podcasts, mm. and I have a whole set of podcasts that I listen to. This is Mark as I cook. Um, some poetry podcasts. I have news podcasts. I have the New York Times podcast. I have all kinds of podcasts. I, this American Life as a podcast. Really, the only way I ever hear This American Life is listening to it as a podcast. So, you know, I queue up podcasts, and I listen to them as I cook. Yeah, I listen to Italian pop. You Mostly do. that's what I do. You I blast French and Italian pop. You do. You do in the most vile kind of French pop. The most <laughs> like the same kind of pop music that if he heard it from a US band, he would scream and run away. And yet he's listening to it and he thinks it's it's shishi because it's, it's French. Well, it is. <laughs> or it's Italian. But if you heard the same singer do it in English, he would be like, oh, what are you listening to that pop rock for, that soft pop rock? And yet somehow he loves it when it comes out in French and Italian. <laughs> don't, please don't ask. I don't even understand that one. But okay, uh, yes, I, I, I find a good musical or listening environment makes cooking all the more fun, especially if you've got something that you're interested in. Before we move on to our one-minute cooking tip, let me say that you can check us out on our Facebook group, Cooking with Bruce and Mark. We, we would love to see you there. And what else, Bruce? And subscribe. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe and you won't miss a single episode. And if you feel like it, and we hope you do, leave a comment, give us a review, say how great we are, and thank you. Exactly. Up next, our patented, I keep saying that, maybe we should patent it, our patented one-minute cooking tip, and today it's all about the nightmare of plastic wrap. Oh, God, I hate plastic wrap because you can't ever get it off the roll, but if you struggle with plastic wrap, 
like struggle, I do. Struggle, the eternal struggle of plastic wrap. Cooking aboard? Not anymore. I'm Nanette Fabre. Oh. <laughs> Wow, you're old. Holy crow, you're old. Please go on about plastic wrap. (laughs) Well, store your roll in the refrigerator, because if you put your plastic wrap in the fridge, the chilling temporarily gets rid of the stickiness so that you can get it off the roll. Wait, wait. Doesn't this counter the point of plastic wrap? But it it gets sticky again once it's warm. So you can get it off the roll, and then you wait a second, and then you could do stuff with it. Okay, so... I'm supposed to keep my... So we just talked about cleaning up the kitchen, but now I've got plastic wrap in the fridge. Well, it's better in the fridge than on the counter. True. Up next, Bruce's (laughs) interview with Michelle Tam, the author of Nom Nom Paleo and her latest book, Nom Nom Paleo Let's Go. This is an exciting series of books and should be a fabulous interview. I am so excited today to be talking with Michelle Tam. Michelle is the creator of Nom Nom Paleo and the author of the latest Nom Nom Paleo book. Let's go. Simple feasts and healthy eats. Hey, Michelle, welcome. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Before we start, I want to just talk about the fact that you and Henry Fung helped define what paleo is and what the diet is. Can you explain it? to us and a two-part question, how you've managed to sustain this way of eating without feeling deprived? Okay. So my definition of paleo now is probably very different from when I started, you know, 10, 11 years ago. Um, I think when I first started, I was super strict about it and it was basically, you know, trying to replicate like what your ancestors ate. So no processed foods, um, prioritizing like healthy proteins and vegetables and nuts and seeds and healthy oils. But these days, I think I'm paleo-ish. Like I definitely eat paleo because that's how I, you know, function better. Um, But I think of it more of a starting point. Like I think it's great to cook your own food and to cook with, um, you know, the actual ingredients that come out of the earth or raised on the earth. But it's no fun if you're just eating broccoli and chicken breast all the time. So for me, the way it's been sustainable all all this time is that it has to be delicious and it has to make me feel good. And it can't feel like I'm being deprived of anything. But I think until I tried the paleo diet, I never really thought about how food made me feel. Like I ate food because it was delicious and I'm like a huge foodie. Um, And then I ate things that people told me were healthy, but I never actually put two and two together and, and said, Oh, does my body feel better when I eat a ton of, you know, whole grains? Um, and the answer was no, (laughs) but I know what foods make me feel terrible. And so I avoid those. And then, um, the foods I can eat and make me feel great. I try to make them as delicious as possible. Okay. Do you think in general, it's changed for many people or are there still people still sticking to those basics? And are you sort of paving the way for a new paleo 2.0? Well, I definitely think anytime anyone finds something that works for them initially, they're really fanatical and like an evangelist for that way of eating. And they're super strict and they're super annoying. But eventually, you know, you want your friends start telling you, hey, you're really annoying, like the way that you're telling us that we should eat this, this, and this, and you relax. And I think most people who have been doing it for a while have kind of just expanded their palates and their repertoires. And I don't think it's a good idea to kind of stick to one 
prescribed way of like eating or doing things. Like I think when you learn new information, you should adapt. And I know like the whole paleo term, I, I almost feel like we're kind of stuck with that name because I picked it all that time ago. And even nom nom is like kind of a derided phrase in the food world along with like moist. And so, you know, we've kept nom nom paleo, but we joke that our our books should be nom nom paleo-ish. Speaking of evolving and changing, you and Henry wrote this book during COVID and that had to change the way you approached writing a book. How did dealing with COVID influence the way you wrote this book and the recipes in this book? In a lot of ways. I mean, we create our books, I think, differently from a lot of authors because we we do it all. Like we like I create the recipes and Henry shoots the photos. It's all shot in our homes, in our home kitchens. Henry designs it all from cover to cover. So there was the aspect of us totally being trapped in our house together all the time and 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 putting this book together, which actually was kind of a good thing because Henry's day job is he's an attorney. So he does this, like this whole design stuff for Nom Nom Paleo on the side. And so it was kind of nice having him around all the time and we we're able to work on this and as opposed to our, our other two books where we just kind of fit it in on evenings and weekends. But in terms of the recipes that we um, chose to put in the book, they were definitely like healthy paleo versions of comfort foods that we both grew up eating in the San Francisco Bay Area. And we're both Chinese Americans. And so comfort food for us is definitely kind of Cantonese food that we grew up eating, plus all the food that we ate in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is like this melting pot of immigrant cuisine. So there's a lot of Mexican and Indian and Vietnamese. Because to me, that's comfort food. Um, but we also threw in like some kind of paleofied casseroles because as, you know, to me, that was very exotic. And when I would go to my friend's house and I'd be served a casserole, I'm like, wow, I've never had this before. And so it's kind of all the things that um, were comforting foods because we couldn't see our families. We couldn't see, you know, my parents. And so we tried to kind of fill it with foods that, make us happy. And so there's definitely more desserts than in my previous two books. Desserts are really difficult when you're talking about paleo, but you have some amazing recipes in the new book. So I want you to tell me about these paleo cream puffs. So they that took a lot of time and practice to do, but like, so paleo, you have to be grain-free and refined sugar-free. And so it's very restrictive because you need gluten for structure and all sorts of other stuff. Um, but I think while I was, you know, trapped, you know, during, yeah, under quarantine, um, I was like, I would really like some paleo cream puffs. So I, you know, put on my apron and I just tried many, many different versions and I came up with one that I'm pretty happy with. And I think my toughest critic is always my mother. So I'll always like drop, like during quarantine, I drop stuff off, um, at her front, you know, doorstep and she's like, you know what? These are not bad. And for her, that is like an A plus. And it's not just desserts that are difficult. To do more traditional grain-based things like potstickers, you've managed to create a potsticker in the book with a cassava flour mm -hmm. and, and, and arrowroot flour. I mean, how does that come together to create? I mean, do you end, actually end up with a dumpling wrapper that you you wouldn't even know it's not wheat. I have a son who is not gluten-free. And so anytime he eats my stuff, he's always the toughest critic. And he's like, you know what? This is pretty close. 
Um, and so cassava flour and the arrowroot does, I think, replicate it pretty well. You can have a pretty sturdy dumpling. It's not like super chewy. Um, and it, it does scratch that itch. And like, I worked really hard on that one just because I have very fond memories of wrapping, you know, dumplings with my grandma and my mom. And I really wanted to replicate that and be able to do that with my own kids. So that took a lot of practice, but I do think it works. It's actually a recipe that's been on the blog for a long time. So we have like a a handful of recipes that are kind of blog favorites. And so that one has been tested by, I think, thousands of people (laughs) who have cooked it online. So, you know, I can say that one does work. There are so many recipes that look just so comforting. And again, from the Cantonese background, the egg tarts, the Hong Kong egg tarts, I mean, classic comfort food. And once again, cassava flour comes to the rescue here. No, cassava flour is kind of magical. Like that only came, you know, on the market, um, you know, in the U.S. just a few years ago. And when it came out, because before everyone was just cooking with like, or baking, like making paleo baked goods with coconut flour and almond flour, um, which is pretty limiting. And there were some starches that you could use like arrowroot or tapioca. But I think once cassava flour, which is the whole cassava root dried and kind of pulverized into a flour, it does imitate wheat flour. I mean, it doesn't have like kind of the gluten aspect of it, but in terms of the other um you know, kind of features that wheat flour add. I think it works pretty well. From reading the book, I know that you do have a secret weapon in your kitchen. Tell me what it is. Oh, it could be many things. I, I think I refer to many things as my secret weapon. Um, but all of the things that I'm thinking about involve ingredients with umami. So I have spice blends that I've created that I call my secret weapon. There's the magic mushroom powder, which is kind of a classic one that I developed for our first cookbook, but we liked it so much that we have kind of kept it in all of our cookbooks because there were just so many different ways to use it. But basically it's salt, pulverized dried protein mushrooms, some um, red pepper flakes, a little bit of thyme and some black pepper. But basically it's just this magical, like anytime you reach for salt, you should just reach for this because it'll just make things taste better. And what do you use it for? I mean, what, what does it add to food? So it just adds, you know, umami, this indescribable deliciousness. Um, and it's more for, I, I use it more for kind of like my Italian dishes and kind of European dishes because portinis do have a very earthy flavor. Um, but I've since developed an umami stir fry powder, which I might use more because I've been cooking a lot more kind of Cantonese food, which is also in, um, you know, our new cookbook. But that one has dried pulverized shiitake mushrooms, salt, green onion, garlic, um, ginger, and white pepper. And so those are the things that my mom used to always kind of throw into all of her Cantonese dishes. So this is all in this kind of salt seasoning that I use as a cheater flavor booster anytime, like if I'm scrambling eggs or if I just am making a quick stir fry, like I I don't even bother cutting up onions or ginger or garlic. I just sprinkle on the seasoning salt. Um, And and we actually just launched all of these spice blends today online. So you don't even have to, I mean, the recipes are in the cookbook, so you can make them. But if you don't want to, you can just buy them, which is what I'm doing now. The book, it is Nom Nom Paleo. Let's go. Simple feasts, healthy eats. 
by Henry Fong and Michelle Tam. Michelle, thank you for spending some time with us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Okay, Bruce, that was spectacular. That I mean, really, honestly, Nam Nam Paleo, it is a juggernaut of books. And the latest, let's go, sounds like it's a way to make feasting better every single day. So our last segment, what is it? What is making us happy in food this week? Yep, that's standard last. What's making you happy, Mark? Air fried parsnips. Oh. I love. They make you happy all the time. I do. (laughs) I love parsnips. If you don't know about parsnips, they are so herbaceous and delicious. Don't think white carrots. They are beyond anything that I can imagine. They're like celery root meets carrot meets butternut squash Mm, meets herbs. Good description. I, I don't. I don't. I don't even know how to explain what a parsnip is. But if you peel it and if you cuff them into French fry like mm-hmm. segments, you can air fry them in no time. You a little bit of olive oil, four hundred degrees, about twenty five minutes, tossing them. Oh, they are delicious. Right? Oh my gosh, they're the best French fries. Air fried parsnip fries are like the that. best. What's making me happy is the prepared food section at the Big Y supermarket. <laughs> And here's why. Oh, my gosh. This is so regional. First of all, you have to live where there's a big Y. But please do go go on for all our listeners in Ireland. They always have a rotisserie roasted turkey breast. No, that's true. Not just a rotisserie chicken, but they always have rotisserie. And they also have put into their mix falafel. And it's really good falafel. And I put it in the air fryer to reheat it, and it's crispy and a little greasy, and it comes with tahini sauce. So thank you, Big Y. I'm really I think a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, another reason that you should get an air fryer is because when you get that rotisserie chicken home from the supermarket, even if you bring it home midday and you want it for dinner, an air fryer is the perfect way to turn it hot again and get the skin back to being delicious. It also re-crisps fried chicken. Any of that stuff that you buy prepared at the store, you can bring it back to its deliciousness in an air fryer. So it's another reason to get an air fryer. Okay, so that's the show. Michelle, Tam, one minute cooking tips about plastic wrap in the freezer. (laughs) Refrigerator. No. And ways to get out of your cooking stuff. I'm still not convinced on that plastic wrap thing, but I'm going to go with it. Um, And what's making us happy in food this week, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you're interested in more of what we do, check out one of our cookbooks like the Instant Pot Bible or the Instant Pot Bible Next Generation. Or if you're not into Instant Pots, try a la mode, mm. our dessert pairing book with ice cream and desserts, each paired in a recipe you haven't lived until you've had a cranberry bun cake with eggnog ice cream. I'm just yum, you. yum. Thank you for listening to Cooking with Bruce and Mark, and we'll be back with many more episodes. So we'll see you next time.